together again. Just like old times. Yeah, but a different format, like a different format this sort time. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this time our new format is we watch a new movie and then we look at a companion piece of sorts, typically from a few years, decades maybe prior, mm. that we think have some kind of thematic connection. Exactly. So, of course, we're looking at the prequel to The Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Aguirre. Aguirre. The, the Wrath, Wrath of, of God. God. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So, Aguirre is played by Edgar Ramirez in Jungle Cruise. And his story is immortalized here by Klaus Kinski in the Werner Herzog movie from 1972. Mm-hmm. Which tells a slightly different tale. A very, very much of a different tale. Different tale, different tone, slightly smaller budget, we yeah. guess. Looking for a different <laughs> um, fantastical, immortal kind of thing. Yeah, still a treasure hunt that... This one, not so fruitful, I guess. Mm-mm. Definitely not. Um, very different. Uh, the tone is completely different from Jungle Cruise. Um, like, it's, it's interesting that they are both spun off this same particular character, this particularly historical figure, mm. but they are worlds apart. And neither of them really use any historical precedent besides for <laughs> that he did go into the jungle and didn't come back. I mean, this one we had German conquistadors, so... Well, they were supposed to be Spanish. I know they were supposed to be Spanish. And they were talking in English. But it, it was interesting because it was German and they were Spanish. And then they would say Spanish things with the German accent in the version I was watching. Yeah. Well, so it, so it was the German dub, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, so it's... What language is it originally? English. English. Yeah, because there, there were cast and crew from 16 countries, and ah. the only language they all spoke was English. Ah. So they recorded it in English, mm-hmm. and then I believe they either lost that, or it was just very poor quality, because they were on the raft and right, things, yeah. so they re-recorded it in German later. Apparently Klaus Kinski didn't do his own voice, which isn't oh. for the first time. You know, He was in Once Upon a Time in the West. I th- No, he was in Dr. Zhivago. Okay. And he was dubbed over in English in that. So, Kinski, I, this is a really bad comparison, but if you've never seen him before, the easiest way to describe Klaus Kinski is, let's say, a version, an earlier version of Nicolas Cage, in the sense of... I can imagine that, yeah. In terms of, in terms of like, acting, there isn't much of it, at least not in this film, Mm-mm. but it's all in screen presence. For sure. You know, the film is called Aguirre, and he's not even really in it for he's, most of it. Yeah, he's not in it until, like, 30 minutes into the movie, yeah. I think it was. But you, but the thing is, it's like he doesn't really have to be, because you can always see him in the background. Yeah, being, always... like, creepy as hell the yeah. entire time. Like, he just, like, skeeved me out, a few, like, yeah. a few times every time, because he has, like, this weird lean going on. Yeah. I don't know what that was about. I mean, for me, the one scene that kind of defines this movie is the two shot of him on the left and the guy playing the pan pipes on the right. And they're just standing there. Oh, that was like, I... And the look on his face is... and the way he's <laughs> looking at the guy playing the pan pipes, I was like, he's going to rip this ass <laughs> sooner or later. But he kept him on the entire time. Yeah. He did. I have to say, that scene um, made me laugh because it made me very uncomfortable. Mm. Um because yeah. like you said, he was just staring at that guy and the guy's just like, dude, 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 like doing his thing. I'm like, mm, dude. Yeah. But that really sums up his character in the sense that it's like he is just the driving force mm. deep into the jungle, even yeah. though, you know, I 
I don't know how intentional it is that he's willing to take second fiddle. I think he's more willing to let the other guy be the Kaiser. Yeah. The act. I forget the character's name, but it's played by the actor Peter Berling. The big guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who? It was. It was weird because he was like kind of. He was. He wanted to be the head, honcho of the of everything, right? Mm-hmm. But then he kept saying that like, okay. The biggest guy first, and that was unfortunately yeah. that guy, who was killed. But I don't know by whom. It was just someone on the on the raft. Yeah, it was because I first. But you, but you could see they hated him slowly. As yeah, they slowly but surely started hate to actually believe he that he was, was king of whatever was around. Yeah, and then um, and then they found the, I think I think it was like the second cannibal um village, mm. and. Like the he was like okay well he's a head higher than me then he had his like little yeah side man decapitate him yeah and then that was it and that scene was actually kind of hilarious as, as well to 10. <laughs> yeah he was yeah. counting to ten and the guy's like there's there's somebody behind you yeah. like watch out um but yeah it was it was weird as he wanted but he didn't put himself in charge the entire time yeah I mean I think that's more because he wasn't a leader in the sense of you know he's the leader in like the physical sense he's mm. the who's, who's forcing them on he's the heart and the soul i guess of the of the quest but also you know i guess he knew you know if he was the one in charge people would turn on him instead of people turning on the other guy he was still in charge yeah he was but it was more of like uh He's he's not the actual figurehead. He's not the actual Kaiser. Right. He's not the actual emperor, or however they finally went for it. Mm. Um, but the thing is that that kind of plotline, ultimately, I don't think it really matters in this because the way Werner Herzog films his movies, at least this, the follow-up a decade later, Fitzcarraldo, things like that. It's like it's like half documentary, half movie. Yes, and the documentary ish sections are far more interesting than the other parts like just watching that opening scene i think that's where they're coming down the mountain and it's all the yeah. actors in the massive outfits mm-hmm. like clearly struggling like that's far more interesting and conveys a lot more about the difficulty of their trek than the stuff that comes later on i mean to me i think the worst scene um was on the raft where we had the king sitting there on there was also the horse as it's like freaking out yeah because it's such an obvious case of like man's folly against nature nature will do whatever it wants exactly and just because he claims himself king doesn't mean nature will listen no that sort of stuff felt really really obvious in spite of everything that came before it Mm. simply because of how well he shoots his actors in these insane situations Mm. Um, I really like that opening bit where like they're looking at the river and you just get that long shot. Oh, just, I like, absolutely love that. Yeah, it's, you know it's very. Because uh... it like it, like the whole movie, like that scene specifically. Because I'm also reading like Lord of the Rings right now, mm. so that kind of put me in that mindset of reading, like an epic novel and it being described of how like you see this river, it's going crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it just starts making you like realize all of these because you start thinking about it yourself because that like i don't know if that's purpose purposeful or anything but like you start kind of hallucinating while you're looking at it yeah yeah i mean it's it's a thing which i've seen in quite a few films like uh andre tarkovsky's solaris his shots of the planet solaris just the big swirling whirlpool that you just kind of focus on for a really long time Mm. it gets quite hypnotic yeah and also 
the bubbling, it reminded me of uh, Robert Bresson in, I think it's Pickpocket, where the guy's looking at the seltzer water and it zooms in because um, that same shot was used in Taxi Driver. And there's just something like bubbling water or swirling water. It just that makes, it just kind it of reels you in. Yeah, like it conveys a lot for the character, but it's also quite hypnotic as a viewer to watch. And I don't know what it is. Like, I've never really studied, say, art theory, but there's got to be like a nature strand of art theory right which will explain why looking at like the Iger mountain it fills you with awe watching the bubbling amazon river just churning like that it immediately like conveys so much and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so just like shots like that they convey so much mm. that then you don't really need to spell it out a little bit later on exactly um and thankfully there isn't too much of that because a lot of it is simply the cast looking like they are struggling to survive it, yeah. as it goes on. And that's where the documentary aspect of it comes in because yeah. it looks, it generally looks like these people are living a life which they do not approve of right now. Yeah, it's, it genuinely seems quite arduous. Yeah. Um, which you don't get a lot anymore in clan yeah, films because right. everything is actually CGI. Yeah, as we've said before. Yeah. Um, and that, that really helps. I mean, I guess you shouldn't have to put your actors through that, but just simply putting them in the actual environment where it's actually humid, it's actually damp, it's actually yeah. whatever, it, it conveys a lot. Um, what did you think of the ending with the monkeys? My, que- my question was, where the hell did the monkeys come from? That was the only thing that was... Because as they're going like under the trees, because he's saying That's to stay the... on near the centre of the river. Yeah, because I, I, I remember them being near the... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because the I think because several times towards that later part where the river floods, mm. they stress staying in the middle so they don't run aground, get too close to the trees, yes. get attacked by the natives, um, and then there's a part where they're kind of going under the trees and then monkeys drop on, but you can very clearly tell that the ones that drop on from under the tree, when it cuts to the larger shot, it's suddenly gone from like ten monkeys to like a hundred. Yeah, because monkeys. that's what. Because I can understand that there are monkeys because of that that part. Because mm. I didn't notice it because I was there. I was looking at because that's the same scene where the um his daughter was shot. Yeah. Yeah. Where so, she's just like standing there and he goes over to her and you see the things yeah. in her chest. Yeah. So that's when the monkeys came in. It's directly after that. All oh, right. Okay. Um, so I was just questioning how so many monkeys mm. did they like? Did they like you know uh, multiply like rabbits? Well, are, or something? They, are they the ones that are called spider monkeys? Yeah, those are spider I was monkeys. Say, like yeah. looking at them from a distance, like, they are very I, much of the spider monkey I vibe. I know exactly why they got that name. Because mm, they just kind of climb all over the place. Yeah. But that scene was very was very weird because like why get taken over by monkeys? I mean, at that point, it's just nature taking over. Yeah, but it's just why monkeys? Well, why not? They're in the Amazon. Uh, yeah. That's where they live. I know, but then also, like, they're in the river, like, they're on the river. You would think that the river would have taken over. Because it's the Amazon River, and the Amazon River is, like, meant to be... Well, I mean, the planned ending was they reach the sea, and because the Amazon flows backwards, it's like yeah. they reach the sea, then end up being pushed back in, they reach the sea, end up getting pushed back in, and can't right, actually go yeah. anywhere. But that ending is, yeah... Werner Herzog ended up in possession of 400 odd monkeys <laughs> on, the, on the finale and it makes sense thematically particularly because yeah it's chaos mm. it's it's nature taking over the yeah, ship but also, chaos. but also you have Aguirre 
like talking to the monkeys, being like, I'm the wrath of God and this is my new kingdom, and they're just like, whatever, mate, and just like running around. And he's like the... throwing the monkeys in the river. Yeah. And then he's saying that he's gonna marry his own daughter. Yeah, to and... make the purest of the human. Even though she's dead. Yeah. 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 And the thing that's interesting as well that I quite liked is there's no point in the film where it's like, oh, he was normal and he snapped and now he's talking about No, he was just crazy. He was mental all the way along. (laughs) So now there's no one else to stop him from talking to monkeys. No, no. He was just, like you said, mental the entire time. Like you saw him, like the first shot of him, you knew you're like, ah, something ain't right with you, my Mm. friend. Um, And I just felt bad for the whole pan flute guy going back to that because... He's like, play some music, like for yeah. morale, boost the morale. The dude's like playing the same tune, like do 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 do. Didn't help anybody. Yeah. By, by that point. It doesn't. It doesn't help. Yeah. Um, but, I got a lot of vibes. Apocalypse now. Yeah. Vibes from this, and then because of the documentary style, I got Cannibal Holocaust like vibes as well. Yeah, I mean, I know that Francis Ford Coppola said he was influenced by this. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just like the journey into madness as you're going down the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that kind of documentary-ish style, it's strange how, like, it's weird now you've mentioned it with being like Cannibal Holocaust, because that is intended to be a fake documentary, yeah. right? I hadn't really considered but this really does work in documentary style, like docu-fiction style, yeah. even though... It's like what people dress in like seventeen hundreds garb. Mm-hmm. Like it shouldn't work, I guess, on like a basic like this could not be a documentary Because we know style. it came out in like I the seventies. Yeah, I know this is actors, yeah. I know they're in costumes and yet it feels Yeah, like the arduous nature of it really mm. comes through and it's that more than the artifice of anything else. Because it was like, because the whole thing is is like you have the story going on, like in a documentary you would, and then it gets to the point where it's just there's not, there's um, dialogue and then mm. it gets quiet and then it's just you staring at people yeah. staring out into nothing because they're just like there's nothing else for me to do yeah it's kind of almost as soon as they leave uh, Pizzato mm. it suddenly stops being like a film and becomes like a documentary almost even when you see the stuff like you know the fake red paint blood and stuff <laughs> that doesn't even it doesn't particularly ruin the no vibe. it doesn't ruin anything no yeah. it doesn't and it's, and it's lovely that it doesn't and you can and, I, and, like, the other thing is is that you can see the imperfections in the filming because mm. the camera gets foggy at some points. Yeah. There's water splashed on it. And it's, like, that's okay that that happened because yeah. it kind of puts you a bit more into yeah. the story and, like, you're actually kind of there feeling all of this that's going on around you. Yeah, it's, it's a film where, you know, people have always tried, like, 3D effects, moving seats, things like that, but it's a film that simply you're watching it and you can just, like, you can feel yeah. the grubbiness in the air. Mm. Like you can really get the feeling of the Amazon. You got it. You, that movie, if you wanted to see it, well, I mean, if, there's other films about the Amazon. No, nah, not really. Not like this. Not like this. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, not like this. This was actually like a good film. Thank you for like suggesting this, by the way, because I've would not have. Very welcome. Yeah. As soon as I saw Aguirre and the other film, I was like, okay, we have to see the other less Disney-fied version. Yes, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to watch this. I don't know anything about this. I went in this one completely blind. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing now. All right, got to get my coffee. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch it. But yeah, I enjoyed it. So how would you rank it compared to Jungle Cruise? Oh, this was like a thousand times better than Jungle Cruise. (laughs) Like, I mean, 
granted, not everybody would sit through this movie. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. This is only ninety minutes, but it's an arduous ninety minutes. Like, it, yeah, it drains you. I had to take a nap at yeah. one point. I had to take a nap once Aguirre started taking over and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, listen, I know some shit's gonna go down. I need to take a nap before things start hitting the fan. Yeah, took a twenty minute nap. Woke up and I was like, oh snap. Okay, they're crazy now. So, but I would like a thousand times better than Jungle Cruise and like on an actual scale of 10, right? 1 to 10? Yep. 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Legitimate 10. I don't know if I would watch it over. Yeah, you'd, it's more of an experience. Yeah, this is like this is le- like a legit experience of a movie. I wouldn't watch it over unless somebody said, "What kind of movie? Do you want to watch a Jungle Cruise movie?" Hey, let's watch a Gide. Yeah, I think this is the kind of thing I could watch like once every like 3 to 5 years yeah. maybe. Yeah. Mm. But it's actually, when I was looking at the um, trailer of it on uh, YouTube, some pe- like, people say this is, like, one of their favorite films. Yeah, it's one of the, like, like Roger Ebert has in it, like, his all-time top ten, things like that. Oh. People really love this. Okay. What's your rating? Probably about eight. Eight? Yeah. Why an eight? Because, like I say, the... It's such, obviously, like, a man-versus-nature film that the times hmm. when it when that gets foregrounded in the screenplay, it feels quite didactic. It feels quite simple compared to how elegant the rest of it is. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame, but that means it's like, you know, you can't complain about 8 out of 10. Like, 8 out of 10 is like very, a very good score. Yeah, that's a pretty decent score. But also, I suspect, like, it's almost counterintuitive in the sense that this film is so, like, rough and ready around the edges that it couldn't be a 10. But at the same time, by being rough and ready, that's its appeal yeah, to... Yeah, that's, that's... yeah. That's why it'll be memorable. That's why I'll watch it again. That's why I'll think about mm. it, you know. Um, yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. I really liked Klaus Kinski's performance. Was this your first... This was your second time or first time watching it? First time watching first it. First time? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because I've seen uh, Fitzcarraldo, which mm-hmm. is the film they made a decade later, which is all about taking a steamship over a mountain... In uh, the like they were covering it, they like, dra- like the, they dragged it. It's covering it. They were carrying it. They dragged it. They dragged up, it up a mountain. Yeah, okay. and the thing is, I didn't really like it because it's all it's the same sort of. You could say it's the inverse in the sense of there's too much film in that, whereas the actual documentary stuff where they legitimately drag a ship over the mountains is like breathtaking. Yeah, but the actual film around is way too artificial. Whereas this is the other way around, where the actual film is like this fascinating docu-fiction, and then occasionally you get the artificial like scenes of them reacting to the difficulties of striving through the rainforest. Mm. But we get that anyway through their body language, through yeah. the sweat on the screen, through things like that. Um, but it's a fantastic thing, and consider like this is only his third movie. That's really great for you a third know, movie. It's it's really remarkable. Yeah, that's well done. Yeah, I heard he's crazy. The director, a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much... So that's the thing. I w- this sounds very cynical, but up until a few years ago, I'd have agreed. Now, it seems like he's too in on it. Like, he knows his reputation and kind of uh, goes along with Ah, one of those. Okay. But, I mean, he was. I mean, the story with this is, like, you know, there was a time when Kinski wouldn't shoot and he left the set and... Um, the director pulled to kill him. him. Yeah. yeah. And then, quote-unquote, I have read the story that... Uh, the tribal people there, are, like, they were like, "Hey, you want me to kill this dude?" Mm. And then he said no, but he was also like, 
actually thinking about it. Yeah, because and because that's the thing. Like Klaus Kinski is well known for just being an absolutely insane maniac. I I mean, like no doubt. Like that's like that's the thing. Like it's all like you are watching him as a Gide, but like that's he actually is him. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he, like it's like parts of it. It's just like he reminds me a lot of you know Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters Two. The guy, no, in the, oh. the guy in the painting, yeah, because it is just like I'm just this maniac face <laughs> and like a suit of armor, <laughs> and that's it. That is yeah. who I am. But that's the thing. If you take him out of that, he's just always like that kind of maniac mm. guy. Like he's in um, oh, what's that spaghetti western? Sergio Cabuto. I think it's The Great Silence mm-hmm. as like the evil gang leader in that, and he is just mental. So he is like old school Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that's a, in yeah, a way. but like considerably more malevolent in real life like don't read us wikipedia he wasn't a nice man really yeah he wasn't oh. a nice man uh, so don't read that okay i won't read um, that um but yeah he has that really just like intense wild charisma that you just don't really get anywhere else and that i don't want to speak ill i don't say that carries the film but mm. he definitely grounds it he definitely centers it he definitely gives it like a reason why it isn't just like filming a rainforest. No, yeah. There's actually like people going through. There's people like suffering and going through things. Yeah. So, what do you think that we could ever? Because I mean, this movie was shot in 1972. Mm. Yes. So that's like, how many years? Like. Thir- Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. I was like almost forty. Okay. Yeah. So like almost forty years ago, is there any way in the world do you think we could ever get? something shot like that not like specifically shot like this but like it's it's weird because you think it would be easier now because we have digital yeah. cameras so we right. have smaller cameras because i think about how they set up the stuff on the raft mm. with a camera from like germany in 1972 like yeah. that's got to be really difficult even also hiking through the andes mountains as yeah, well yeah exactly but almost i want to say that the fact it would be easier now would mm. make it less compelling because there is just always right, in the back yeah. of your mind. Like, I, you know, there are certain times in movies, like, for example, I really don't like movies like 1917 where they're meant to be like, quote unquote, one take. Because mm-hmm. you can see the bits where they added it together. Yeah. Whereas with this, like, I can see how it would be difficult to shoot, why they're shooting this angle, mm. why they have to make it this way. But that makes it even more compelling because right. you know there's a real difficulty to it. So I don't think it'd be the same if we just did it with like digital things like that but that being said like i feel like the amazon it's very like primeval almost in the sense of like you could go back now and it will look exactly the same it will look exactly the same yeah. so we could probably do something like that which emphasizes how difficult it is i mean i haven't seen it but there's that film um the james gray movie lost city of z Oh, which is which is that's like the family it's also like a, along the same lines. The Lost City of is that a family movie? No, no. You're thinking of um, you think of City mm. of Ember. That's what. Yeah. I, thank you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what yeah. am I thinking of? Yeah, no, Lost City of Z or Z, depending on whether you're British or American. Well, it's the only James Gray film I haven't seen, but it's the one that like kind of stands out as not being about like. Maybe there's about maybe there's about like a lost family member. I don't know, but it's it is very set in the same thing about trekking through a jungle mm. and not really know if you'll come back alive. But then again, like yeah, it doesn't seem to have the same kind of risk or rawness. But I mean, you know, think about say um, like Predator, which, yeah, was, which Predator. was filmed in the eighties, yeah, and it has a very similar vibe. Everyone's like sweating and everyone is like uncomfortable, and you can see it's shot in 
I don't know where it was shot. I want to say it was some. Um, it was definitely a jungle of yeah, uh, some of sorts. Yeah. But the location wise, specifically, yeah. unsure. And then when I think about it, like, well, is there anywhere that we've seen in a film recently that seemed as arduous? Like, no. Like, is there anything else in a jungle that's been. I feel like that has been something I've seen lately that was set in a jungle. Oh, am I just thinking of Jungle Cruise? I think you're just thinking of Jungle Cruise because we did just watch Jungle Cruise. I think that's what it is. But also, like, because I don't think we can go back to the jungle, unfortunately, like, going forwards, because it's kind of like, it's explored, but it's also not really explored, you know? It's also, I think, that we, there's almost this kind of vibe in the sense of, like, yeah, like the planet has been conquered in the mm, sense it's not mm. the same mystique as it yeah. once did. That's why there's more I feel like that's why there's more um water ocean like o- I mean, ocean think about like that for a long while was the was the uh, appeal of James. <laughs> like for a long time the appeal of James Bond was like, well, people can't travel around the world. Yeah. So here's this kind of travelogue thing. Like the books are even worse cuz they just kind of describe a holiday. Mm. But like you have something like say from Russia with love the whole thing of it is, well, here's the Orient Express and we're showing it to you. Um, was you only live twice, the one with you was in Japan and they just kind of take you around Tokyo and they show like a karate dojo and things like, now the world is smaller, the thrill of these things seems less apparent. But at the same time, I guess, like the rainforest is still unexplored. It yeah, is it still is. treacherous. Yeah, but it's not as appealing to us now that yeah. anymore as it is, but... We still have the old movies for it. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, you know, it lives up to its reputation. It is a fantastic piece. It is a fantastic piece. If you want to watch a weird, it's a good weird. Yeah. And and also like, you know, my thing like 1972 West German production, like it's watchable. It is. It is. It isn't like a slog. No. I mean, it is, but it's not like. It's a slog, but it's like. You know what I mean? It's not pretentious no. or anything if that's what you're trying to, if that's what you're imagining. It's, it's not pretentious at all. Yeah. Which I thought it would be. So, uh, what are we watching next time? Um, next time, <laughs> uh, we'll have to check to see what we're watching next time. Hold on. Because the big release for me this Friday is Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I guess so. That is the thing. Uh, ah, there's still water. Oh, is that uh, getting a oh, wait. web release? I think, wait, it just came out. I think it's I think it's available for us now. I mean, at the very last, you can watch The Suicide Squad. <laughs> we could watch, no, it's only a cinema. I downloaded it last night. You did? Oh, no, I didn't download it. It was on my TV box last night. Oh, okay, well, either Stillwater or Suicide Squad. I think Stillwater because... When was the last time Matt Damon made a film? Was The Martian, which was like a while ago now. Surely he's done something since The Martian. He doesn't do much anymore, really. Sure he's done something since <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're imagining things. Sorry, guys. There's a dog now in the house. Yeah. Gimli <laughs> yeah. is in a playful mood. Okay, so it may be Suicide Squad or Stillwater next. And then we'll find out what the companion movie will be for... Yeah, yeah. Just to, you know, give you some inside baseball, at the moment with films going back to cinemas, it's It's getting slightly more difficult than it was to predict. But we will have something. Yes, that's what we'll do. And until next time, sorry, Gimli has interrupted the last bit. 
Uh, but till next time, everybody. Yeah, speak to you then. Bye.